0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts like Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, whatever you like. Or if you are a commuter, maybe you just don't like scrolling through unwieldy phone apps, you can ask your smart device like Siri or even Alexa, Google Home, play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today we are going to dive deep into the Denver Broncos, see what makes them tick, see where they can be attacked. And like we do every week, we'll start this off with a little bit of news. And the first news I'm going to start with is actually practice squad news, which usually is something that I I wouldn't talk about. But this one is something that uh, I, a guy I talked about a lot in the preseason, Kari Blessingham. Uh, the backup fullback, the guy who didn't quite beat out CJ Ham in the preseason he was uh, activated to the Titans 53man roster so he's no longer in Minnesota and I personally am heartbroken. If you recall he was the uh, the kind of hyper athletic like Kyle Yucheck type versus C.J. Ham, who's like a more traditional fullback. And like, of course, it makes sense that they would, you know, be very happy with C.J. Ham. I'm sure he'll be the fullback here for quite a while. He's been doing a great job in run blocking as a lead blocker. But I liked Kari a lot. He was a lot of fun to watch. He scored a couple touchdowns in the preseason, and it was like sort of a blast. So I'm sad to see him go. But, you know, good luck in Tennessee. In injury news, the Vikings could really use a bye. They have like 25 players on the injury report. There were four notable Uh, injuries all of the the DNPs. Of course, Adam Thielen, as expected, is still not practicing. He's doing lots of rehab work on the sidelines still for that hamstring injury. Uh, All signs point to him not playing in Denver. I would probably, you know, make your preparations accordingly for fantasy or betting purposes. Linval Joseph, who's just coming off of knee surgery, also didn't practice. Uh, Trey Waynes did return. He missed the uh, Dallas game with an ankle injury. He uh, is back on the practice field. However, Josh Klein, who left the game on Sunday night with uh, his second concussion of the season, still not practicing, and a new addition, Sh- Shamar Stefan. didn't practice with a knee injury. That last one is probably the most intriguing to me, at least in terms of what the backup plan would be. Uh, obviously, you know, the team is is pretty confident in Shamar Stefan as a, a run defender, as a three technique. Uh, but without him, I am very interested to see kind of what happens. Armin Watts has been playing the backup nose tackle job with Linval Joseph out and kind of taking those rotational reps that used to be Jaleel Johnson's before he had to step up and become the starter. So from the three technique position, I don't know if they would put Armin Watts there. I know they did have him rush from the three technique position plenty in camp in the preseason and maybe he would get those reps. Or do you just like activate Mata Afa and Jalen Holmes and have them rotate? there uh like you did you know when when stefan was out in camp and in the preseason i I would guess it's the latter but it it is interesting i mean again the vikings have rostered six defensive tackles so when the two starters are hurt it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they handle it and if they rotate or if they just anoint somebody you know how are they going to go about this the Broncos, on the other hand, are relatively healthy. The only player over there that did not participate was Bryce Callahan, who has been playing most of their nickel corner, uh, which is actually pretty interesting because they have Chris Harris, who's probably the best nickel in the league, playing outside corner, thriving there as well. I think he might just be kind of good at football, guys, uh, but I digress. Bryce Callahan, DNP, he's been kind of out of their uh, their lineup for a while. Uh, again, without Adam Thielen, you have less of an ability to take advantage of that. However, even without Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs has been going from the slot plenty uh, in situations where then the Vikings would have like Treadwell and BC Johnson be the outside receivers. So you can still pick on a backup slot if you really want to. So let's talk a little bit about the Broncos. And I kind of want to start in a more general kind of topic where I feel like a lot of people are seeing this as like a trap game, I guess, which is just bonkers to me. That is insane to me. I kind of talked about this when we were going into the Washington game, which uh, Washington is way more of a like a trap game candidate to me because they're like one in seven. The Broncos are, are not that bad. They might look worse in comparison next to like the teams that are kind of uh, like surrounding this game. Of course, you've got like the Chiefs and Dallas and, and the Seahawks game is nearby. And compared to all those teams, yeah, Denver looks like this total cupcake, but like they aren't the Bengals or like the Dolphins. And that starts with a defense that's like really good. Like, like genuinely an elite defense. They are top five in just about any metric you can care about in terms of defense. In the last five weeks, they have been this, like, absolute juggernaut. They shut down the Titans, or shut them out at zero points. They've held teams to below 20 at, like, this great clip. And they're star-studded throughout. Again, they have guys like Chris Harris. They have Von Miller. Let's not forget about him. They have a a linebacker that I'm going to talk about, uh, Alexander Johnson, the guy that Cameron Parker told me yesterday to look into. And boy, did he did not disappoint. It's going to be really, really difficult to run against these guys. They have a a top-shelf run defense. And players that are so good at penetrating and so good at countering that kind of zone run scheme that the Vikings actually happen to run. The Vikings' offense has been humming, but make no mistake, this is going to be a test for them. And yeah, I mean, the Vikings have a, uh, they have a, 10-point spread, a 10.5-point spread, something like that right now, which I think makes people think that, oh, this is, like, some crappy team, and they have tons of problems. Don't get me wrong here. I don't think that this is, like, a playoff team or anything like that, but they've got plenty going for them, and the Vikings, I think, will be challenged enough for this to not really be that much of a trap game. I don't think that they have shown enough incompetency to be the kind of team that you can, like, overlook and, like, oop, the buy's coming up. We're gonna kind of skip this one or coast through it. And even on the offensive side of the ball, where most of their problems have presented themselves, they still have guys like Cortland Sutton, who is open on every play. I mean, it's just unbelievable how good he is at route running, how good he is at just dusting cornerbacks. Vic Fangio obviously has a lot to do with the success of the defense, especially recently. They're well coached. They did just get rid of Emmanuel Sanders, but they also kind of got this like resurgence of Noah Fant in that Cleveland game, that last game. He just had this huge game, so he's kind of like this breakout candidate, this guy that you kind of have to. Prepare for even though you know he didn't do a lot up until that game. Now he's like maybe he got momentum, maybe he figured it out. This is kind of the thing with rookies, right? Like they have one good game and you think that maybe that's the start of a streak because sometimes rookie seasons go that way. I'm looking at you, Garrett Bradbury. There's really a whole bunch of challenges that these Broncos uh, kind of present. We're going to go over a bunch of them here for the the rest of this show. But if you're one of those people that was thinking that oh you know this is a game the Vikings should totally blow them out. I don't know, man. I, like, if I had to bet on this game, I think I would bet on the Broncos to cover. wouldn't bet on, on them to win, but I would bet on them to cover that 10-point spread. I think that they're a lot better than a, a lot of the national markets are giving them credit for. But before we get too deep into too many more of those details, Peloton has a limited time offer for you. Get $100 off of accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. I also want to talk to you a little bit about gambling. I'm sure as you are listening to this, there is a game tonight, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland. I got Pittsburgh, got their uh, money line at plus 125, feeling good about it. And if you want to get in on that too, or maybe you disagree with me, maybe you just want to bet on another game, maybe you want to bet on the Vikings game, head on over to mybookie.ag. They have the best online sportsbook out there. I love their website. I love how it's organized and laid out and how easy it is to go find the bet that you're looking to make. I love how immediately they pay out. Basically, the second the clock hits zero, if you won your bet, you get the money deposited in your account right away. And I think it just adds something. There's nothing like, you know, sweating about a game that you otherwise wouldn't have cared about, like Pittsburgh, Cleveland. I don't have any stake in that. That doesn't affect the Vikings, but now I have a reason to care, and that's pretty cool. So head on over to mybookie.ag, and if you enter promo code Locked On they will match 50% of your first deposit. That's free gambling money. So go to mybookie.ag, enter promo code Locked On, and get moving today. All right, let's talk about this defense a little bit. And the place that I want to start is uh, with probably the logical place to start when you're talking about the Denver Broncos, Von Miller, right? Number two overall pick a bunch of years ago, total superstar, Super Bowl MVP some years ago. Uh, And he is producing pressures at a clip on pace-ish with that of Daniil Hunter to give you... Uh, kind of a sense for what the Vikings are dealing with here now the Vikings tackles have been very good and I might have been like underselling it throughout this year like the tackles are really good at least at like preventing pressure they've been like kind of a huge part of why the offense has been able to go and they're excellence has kind of helped mask the struggles on the interior offensive line. It's what the Vikings have, you know, a top 10 offense by, like, all the important measures. So, that's a really cool matchup. Like, I really want to see Von Miller go up against Brian O'Neill this week. It'll be something, I hope the broadcast highlights it. It's a good matchup. Now, the Broncos' secondary is unequivocally, even on their good days, better than the Vikings' secondary. Chris Harris has been an absolute superstar. Devontae Harris has also been very good. Duke Dawson isn't that bad. They have two really good safeties in Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson like that back end is incredible it's gonna be really really hard to move the ball against them especially with pressure coming from uh, Von Miller Derek Wolf has been terrorizing interior lines as well that's a matchup that I would be super worried about but the guy I really want to talk about is Alexander Johnson, who, again, Cameron Parker uh, kind of turned me on to him. Um, he is their Eric Kendricks. He is he, he plays a lot of Mike Linebacker, and he is all over the field. And what what really impresses me with him is his ability to sift through traffic and find his way out to the flat or to, you know, kind of outer zones— and go make a play. And that so specifically counters what the Vikings do because the Vikings are primarily an outside zone team. I bet if you ask the Vikings coaches, hey, what is your staple play? You know, you have one play, you need four yards or something like that. What are you calling? What is like the bread and butter of this team? They would probably say outside zone and other similar concepts. A lot of Dalvin Cook's like best production has come on swing passes and screens and things that kind of take advantage of the space that is usually afforded to you in the flat. And Alexander Johnson is like specifically good at shutting those plays down. He hasn't missed a ton of tackles. He's going to be like a formidable opponent. So this is maybe a little bit of an underrated matchup. I'm really glad that, that Cameron Parker like turned me on to him because he's like an extremely exciting player to watch. He's always in the right place. He has, I, I've seen him carry, you know, tight ends all the way down on the seam and like stay with those routes. I've seen him, you know, crash down. He really looks like one of those like Kendricks or Bar type linebackers that can just kind of be everywhere. And so this is another defense very similarly to Dallas, honestly, that just has like a lot of superstar level players or players at least playing at a superstar level. I don't think Alexander Johnson's like a household name or anything, although maybe he should be. He's kind of playing well enough to deserve it. But, you know, suffice it to say, Denver's got a whole bunch of good defensive players and that's why they were able to like shut out the Titans and, you know, hold the Chargers back to, I think, like 16 points. And if I recall, that was the game where where the Chargers, like, failed on that goal line stand, and the Broncos got a win out of that. That defense is really good top to bottom. So how do you beat them? I kind of had to look. And here is what's really, really interesting about the, the Broncos' defense so far. They've played two teams that, to my knowledge, run... Kubiak-Shanahan-style schemes. The kind of scheme that the Vikings run, there have been two games on the Broncos' schedule that have that same thing. The Packers run that same thing. Matt LaFleur is kind of of that same tree. He came from Sean McVay, who came up under uh, Mike and Kyle Shanahan, and that whole deal... And the Grudens are also part of that coaching tree. And then the Oakland Raiders, who, of course, you know, John Gruden, part of that same Gruden coaching tree, that whole Shanahan style that's kind of defined by zone running and play action and, uh, you know, rollouts and then those throwback screens and stuff that the Vikings made a ton of use of last week against Dallas. The only two other teams that Denver has played have been the Packers and the Raiders. And wouldn't you guess what Denver's worst two games on defense have been? The Packers and the Raiders. Now, this is early in the season. This is a long time ago. Both those games were in September, and they may have made adjustments. I know that they have been using Alexander Johnson differently, and I think using him a little bit more on blitzes, although don't quote me on that, I could be wrong, but they also haven't been tested by this same kind of rollout-heavy uh, play-action-heavy, zone-run kind of scheme, this Shanahan-Kubiak thing. That's all over the league. They just haven't run into it in a few weeks. And so I'm really curious to see if the Vikings actually are are able to move the ball the way that, like, Rodgers was, the way that Derek Carr was against them earlier in the season, or if they really fixed a problem, or did they just kind of not go up against the kinds of defenses that take advantage of their problems? And there might actually be kind of a hole to take advantage of Alexander Johnson here. He's been playing phenomenally, But he's been very, very aggressive in his reading and reacting. You know, he thinks he knows what's going on with the play. He crashes down very hard into it, and he makes a ton of plays that way. It works very well, but it's the kind of tendency you can take advantage of. And the Vikings are on the wrong side of this all the time, especially with Anthony Barr, especially in bars like worst seasons like 2016, where he was just playing way too aggressive. Daniil Hunter gets taken advantage of this way sometimes by the smarter offensive coordinators. And so there might be something to be said for those kind of rollout plays and those screens get Alexander Johnson reading the wrong way. And I actually think this, so this is something that the Vikings do all the time. It's kind of, sometimes it's an RPO. Sometimes it's just a fake where they actually will like run screen action, but then the the throw won't be the screen. Uh, Usually I think it's an RPO. I think that it's an option for Kirk Cousins. You can either throw the screen or if the screen's blown up, there's some other route concept going up. Uh, you know, on the other side of the play that should, you know, beat whatever is blowing the screen up. And I would love to see that kind of thing used heavily against these Broncos where I think that they are playing very, very aggressively. Uh, and especially guys like, you know, Wolf and Miller, like get them upfield and and run a screen on them or, or get them to try to you know, stay in a zone gap and run a, boot, a bootleg the other way. And I think you should be able to get some, some separation that way, or at least, you know, a ton of time for Kirk Cousins to find a guy downfield. Make no mistake, this defense is excellent, and they are filled with players that execute excellently. And I think similarly to kind of what I said leading into the Dallas game, you can't just out-execute these guys. I think you got to scheme them. And I think that the way you play, there are ways to do that, but it's not going to be an easy task. And that's why the over-under of this game is 39 and a half. I bet the over, by the way. Way, don't tell anybody but hey vic fangio has kind of had the vikings number for the last few years so uh you know maybe he gets one last laugh here before we don't see him for a while and uh hey one more my Bookie thing use your basketball knowledge to prove that you have what it takes at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid use promo code locked on and my Bookie will match 50 percent of your first deposit All right, let's talk a little bit about this Broncos offense, and and this is where the Vikings can actually, like, generate a winning advantage, right? If you just move the ball a little against the Broncos defense, you can kind of call that a victory, and it's the Broncos offense where you can actually generate, like, win conditions for the game. So, let's start with Brandon Allen, who is obviously going to be the quarterback for this game. There is a chance that it's Drew Locke, uh, but Cameron Parker said that he doesn't expect Drew Locke to even be active for the game, so this is probably going to be Brandon Allen again. After all, they did win the one game with Brandon Allen, so I imagine they're not going to be too eager to move off of him just yet until uh, he is handed a loss. Hopefully, that happens on Sunday. So, what's the book on this kid, right? So, he was a sixth round draft pick in 2016. He stayed with Jaguars for one year, who drafted him, he won went to the Rams the next year after being waived by the Jaguars. Uh, He was the third string quarterback there for a couple of years. He didn't make the team there this year. And then he ended up in Denver where he ended up being the backup quarterback to Joe Flacco, who obviously, you know, we are the third string quarterback there, actually. And then, of course, Drew Locke got hurt and then Joe Flacco got hurt. Now they're in this weird nebulous situation where Brandon Allen is coming off a win. But Drew Locke is actually like maybe ready to play, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to kind of take Cameron Parker's word for, word on this and say that it'll be Brandon Allen, so I went and watched him, and here is kind of a, uh, the book on him kind of came out a lot in that one game, even though it is only one game, and Mike Zimmer even kind of decried, like, yeah, small sample, it's really hard to scout this kind of kid. And that's totally fair. Like, for example, you can't really see if he's accurate deep. I think he only threw like two or three deep balls. And I I think he made like one of them. I think he was like one for three. And that doesn't tell you if he's good at it or not, right? Because like those deep balls are often like 50-50. So I don't know, one for three, I I guess if you were 50-50 at those, one for three isn't like out of the question. Like it doesn't tell you a lot about his accuracy, although he did have a lot of inaccurate throws. Uh, And that hopefully will help, uh, you know, derail some drives on Sunday. What I really noticed about them and this him and this came up a, a ton was how he responds to pressure and how he even was beginning to respond to no pressure. He breaks clean pockets all the time. And by clean pockets, I don't mean, like, perfect ones. I mean, there was one really egregious one, and hilariously, he ran into a defensive lineman. Uh, It was Sheldon Richardson, of all guys. Uh, And Sheldon Richardson, like, kind of hit him late, and it turned into a roughing the passer. But he broke a perfect pocket that time, Uh, and that was probably the worst one. But there were other times in that game where he would kind of, at the first sign of trouble, a guy just gets leverage against an offensive lineman, or somebody is, like, kind of coming up a pass-rushing lane, And you could, like, move to the side and probably, like, dodge him and buy a little extra time. But he takes his eyes off of the receivers. His eyes are no longer downfield. He is now scrambling. And that worked a bunch against uh, the Cleveland Browns. So you kind of have to stop him from scrambling. I think if you put a spy on him and then blitz you can probably get some really good stuff because I think he is prone to making mistakes under pressure. And he didn't throw any interceptions against Cleveland. He was much more partial to, like, pull the ball down and scramble. Uh, But that, I think, was a mistake a a whole bunch of times. There were plays where he would just get right to the top of his drop and scramble. It reminded me of, like, Christian Ponder in his worst days. But the thing is, you can actually lose games that way, so you do kind of have to be careful. The Vikings have lost games to Mitchell Trubisky that way, where he's just, like, scrambled all over them on, like, key third downs, converted just enough, and then they end up getting the win. So you have to make sure that that doesn't happen. I would love to see Anthony Barr spy a bunch in this game, but essentially, the only way the Broncos were able to get production out of Brandon Allen in that game was with timing routes. Things like slants, quick outs, things that are basically three-step drop, and if it's there, you throw it. And if it's not there, you go to your next guy, and then you throw that and that's about as far as Brandon Allen can take you and that is not difficult to defend so long as you commit to defending that kind of thing so what the Vikings have been doing lately is kind of dissuading all of that deep throw stuff and this creates this kind of really interesting like decision point and I actually don't know what I would do in that situation if I were Mike Zimmer I'm not very envious of Mike Zimmer here you either Take, continue to take away the deep stuff and make them, you know, give them the slants and make them beat you six yards at a time. Eventually they're going to miss one. Brandon Allen's not going to be accurate on all of those or you'll get a sack. You'll get a pressure or something. You'll ruin the drive and, and you'll probably have pretty good defense that way. And I, knowing Mike Zimmer, that's probably the way he's going to take it. Or you play a bunch of cover one and cover two. You let them have some of these deep shots and hope that Brandon Allen isn't accurate on them, which you don't have enough of a sample size to be sure of, but he sure didn't look like great at it. And you take away all that slant stuff and you have lurking guys like Anthony Harris and Eric Kendricks, you know, lurking underneath these slants and these ins and these outs and and these kind of like short, you know, eight, seven, five, six yard routes and, and you know, lurk under them and try to pick them off and try to generate turnovers. That's the more risk reward strategy. If it were me, I'd probably do that because I would love to see, you know, I, I would approach this game saying, listen, if Brandon Allen beats us deep, then he beats us deep. I'm taking my chances on that, and I'm gonna to try to generate a bunch of turnovers with all of their rhythm passing. because here's what I, I saw. If that rhythm passing isn't there, and if he does see, I think his field vision's okay, uh, and and he sees you know guys like Eric Hendricks and Anthony Harris lurking, and he says, oh, I can't throw that. I think his instinct is going to be to scramble, and I think that you can really, really limit that offense that way. I think there's a bunch of right answers, a bunch of ways to kind of crack this nut with Brandon Allen, and that's kind of what you get with a quarterback that's, like, not very good, of course. But what he does have is accuracy. He has a decent arm. Uh, I I saw him miss a few throws in that Cleveland game, but not enough to be, like, alarming or anything. Um, And, you know, if you don't play it right, you could definitely end up in, like, a Chase Daniel kind of situation where... You know, he's making all the throws, and he's moving the ball just enough, and if he can't move the ball in the defense, this could end up again like the Bears game, although with a home field advantage, I'm not nearly as worried about that happening. And the other thing you have to worry about here is Philip Lindsay and that running game, which has obviously been successful for a couple years here as Philip Lindsay has kind of like broken out as as an undrafted free agent, and, and what they run is really similar to what the Vikings run. I, watching that Cleveland game, at least, and watching some of the other stuff, the, what the Broncos have been running is extremely similar to what this Vikings defense has been practicing against all season. And so you kind of have to commit to, like, taking away some of those, like, easier throws. And if the Vikings end up losing this game, it will be because they gave up those manufactured kind of throws. There are screens. There are rollouts. There are things that the Broncos call to make things easier on their backup quarterback. And that is the kind of thing you, like, can't allow them to do. So if you take away those screens, you know, make make the defensive ends play way upfield. And of course, there are players on on the Broncos that probably have to be discussed like Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles is going to get Everson Griffin all day. Now, if you are unfamiliar with other stuff going on in the NFL, or if you haven't been watching Broncos games, know that Garrett Bowles has become kind of a meme in Denver because he gets holding penalties like every game. He has more penalties, the exact same amount of penalties as both Vikings tackles combined. And I mean, for like a former first round pick, he's busting really hard this year. It's been a really, really rough season for Garrett Bowles. So getting Everson Griffin all day, I could definitely see him generating that pressure and hopefully causing some of those skittish bad habits to start. And 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 here's what I really hope with uh, Brandon Allen is that the coach says, "Hey, listen, you know, you, you can't scramble at the first sign of pressure every time. You know, you have to keep your eyes downfield and try to find a throw." And I hope that he takes that like that advice too much to heart. And then he starts forcing throws into, into bad coverage. And then you can start to generate interceptions. That's what I would love to see. I think this kid's got picks in him, but either way, it's a really safe bet that Garrett Bowles has holding penalties in him, especially going up against an edge rusher, uh, like Everson Griffin. And so they've got issues on their offensive line, kind of up and down it as well. They've got a rookie in Dalton Risner, who's having a pretty good season, but still a rookie. And I think that offensive line has had enough problems where you can rush four. Usually you want to kind of blitz those inexperienced quarterbacks and kind of make them make, you know, decisions under duress because usually that can lead to pretty bad mistakes. Uh, But with the way that the Broncos have been like manufacturing touches for Brandon Allen, I think that they kind of die to blitzes or blitzes kind of die to that. So I would avoid blitzing right now. I, I wouldn't like send the house at him or anything like that. I think you can get enough pressure with four and then play dumb coverage or, you know, play play coverages and make him make dumb mistakes. I think that that's a better way to like lure him into dumb mistakes because I don't think that he is, I mean, he's not going to like run through progressions really, really quickly like somebody like Teddy Bridgewater used to, you know, he used to be so quick about getting through his progressions and stuff and it would like kind of help, uh, like dull the pain from bad offensive line play. I don't think Brandon Allen has that in him. I don't think, even though he does show some mobility, again, Cameron Parker kind of talked about that yesterday, I don't think that he has the right kind of mobility. It's take your eyes down and scramble mobility. It's like the JP Lossman thing. It's not like what the Vikings had to contend with last week with Dak Prescott, where he would break the pocket, scramble around, but his eyes never left downfield. He would always be looking to find that throw, and he could always go find it, and that was really, really difficult to defend, as we saw. That's not the kind of thing we're going to be contending with. Now, there was like one play where I saw Allen actually like scramble and put his eyes downfield. It was the one where he broke that perfectly clean pocket and Sheldon Richardson got a roughing the passer penalty. Uh, And even that he just got his eyes downfield, you know, quick enough to just get the throwaway off. So I, I don't see like I think that pressure can be really, really, really effective in this one. And having guys like Griffin and Hunter, this could really be a Griffin and Hunter game. I don't think this is going to be a Dalvin Cook game. I, I think that the Broncos have a good enough run defense. This could be a Diggs game, though. I mean, that that is always on the table, even against good secondaries. Um, I think that this could be more of a, a Kevin Stefanski. You know, this is going to be a game where we talk about at the end of it. Hey, Kirk Cousins threw to like 10 different receivers kind of game. Uh, and, and, you know, and they won 19 to six or something stupid like that. Uh, the Broncos have a really good defense and I don't think you have to move the ball much against them to get the win because of the problems on that offense with the quarterback, with the offensive line. Uh, but you can get, uh, I, you could lose this game to Philip Lindsay in that run game if you're not careful. I don't think the Vikings will. I don't think that they'll even come close to that. Uh, But again, I I would take the Broncos to cover in this one. I'm not going... I don't feel confident enough in that. I'm not actually betting it. I only bet the over in this game. But I definitely think that the Vikings will win this one, and I don't think it's going to be some kind of, like, close game or anything. But hey, don't overlook the Broncos. They are not that bad of a team. So... On that kind of scary note, I will leave this episode and this week of Locked On Vikings. I will see you all next week on the other side of this Broncos game. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite shows, or you can simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. I'll see you all next week, and as always, skull.